0: Happy Sunday my lovely congregation and welcome back to Pillow Talk the interview series of Pussy Church where i call some of my favorite erotic creators This is Lara an erotic writer and the creator of Tales of Lara which you can find at talesoflara.com and at talesoflara on Instagram and today i'm checking in with Vespa a professional dominatrix and psychology student We talked about how she discovered the world of BDSM, the connection between pain and pleasure, and how channeling your inner dom can change our self-image for the better. Amen. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Pillow Talk, the special interview edition of Pussy Church, where I talk to some of my favorite creators. And today I'm here with Vea or Vespa, a professional dominatrix living and working in New York City. Hello. Hello. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I'm also obviously looked over your work, um, and I'm so impressed by what you've done. You also have a degree in psychology. Is that right? Yes. Oh Yes. I think I also read that you were consulting for Bonding, the Netflix TV show.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) I've been dreaming to talk to um, a dominatrix um, on air because it's quite difficult. I feel like um, because of the privacy that a lot of um, dominatrixes hold.
1: Yes, this is true. Um, I know like a lot of professional doms or just kinky people in general. They don't share their personal information. They don't show their faces sometimes, you know, like they're very, very private. And um, I'm completely opposite. I (laughs) let people know like my real name if they ask for it. I don't hide anything. I show like the way I live and I show my family and my family is totally aware and like my friends aware of what I do. Because that was very important to me to just show the world that BDSM community is not some freaky thing, you know? Yes. And that's pretty much my my goal was like to make like I don't know, like to highlight the reality of it. Let's say it this way.
0: What's the reality of it, you think?
1: You know, like there's a lot of stereotypes and a lot of assumptions and people think it's just so gross or it's just so weird and people who like any sort of like kinky activities it's like something wrong with them or they were Mm -hmm. traumatized in a childhood which is sometimes not wrong but it's absolutely not necessarily and in my experience kinky community is, is the most loving and caring and acceptive group of people that I've m- ever met in the yeah. professional world and in lifestyle world everybody's very supportive it's all about consent it's all about understanding one another and that's something that I didn't have quite much in my vanilla life I would say and yeah something always wanted and you know i think sometimes i see a power dynamics or a relationship between dom and the sab and i see like this is like way more healthy than your regular vanilla
0: couple <laughs> Yeah I think I always thought this about um, the BDSM like world or community because everybody communicates in so much detail and with so much empathy and care that that is the aspect that most of vanilla sex has been missing for a long time. And therefore mm-hmm. pleasure is really has a very different focus just because of the communication.
1: I think for vanilla couples, they kind of feel like they don't have to communicate too much because obviously like, oh, well, I don't do anything dangerous. I don't do anything freaky. So they expect the partner to automatically like it and Mm. accept it. Like, well, you know, it's like, it's socially acceptable. So why my partner wouldn't be agree? And they sometimes just think like, oh, well, I guess she's okay with that. Or I guess he's okay with that just because you know, like 10 of my previous partners were okay. Yes, yes. And it's not the part of of like a social code when people ask permission, like, hey, can I do this to you? Can I do that to you? Because when you plan a scene with your play partner in Kinky World, you ask about every single little detail, even if it if it's innocent or it might seem innocent
0: mm-hmm. and you
1: respect boundaries. And if you cross those boundaries,
0: you are probably never going to play again with this partner. Yes. It's very important. Did you, um, become interested in kink in your personal life? And then you found your way into, um, being a dominatrix or was yeah. it the other way around?
1: No, no, no. Uh, uh, when I was young, I was very uh, gothic child, <laughs> and <laughs> I was just like exploring all this like dark side of the art, and it was very interesting to me to find out like how pain works, how you can transform it how it affects you when someone hurts you or how it affects other people when you've hurt them. And like, it started with
0: like very, very basic research about pain. Why do you think you were interested in that? Like what was it that fascinated you about this aspect, receiving pain, giving pain?
1: This is a very good question. I think because I grew up in Russia and in 90s and people back then didn't really teach kids boundaries mm-hmm. and I remember when I was in a kindergarten I was fighting with other kids and like scratching them and biting them and uh, sometimes I was getting punished for that by teachers who would hurt me physically and I was like deeply upset about it and then I was mm. like okay but what if it wouldn't hurt me Like how would I feel, you know? And Mm -hmm. when you're a child, you can't control much of what is happening to you from the outside, and you try to cope with it from the inside, you Mm -hmm. know. Yeah. How can how can I maybe dissociate from this pain, or how can I transform it? How can I use this rage that is in me? that, oh, well, that boy hurt me, and I hurt him back, and now I'm the one who got punished, you know? How can I transform that feeling in me to feel powerful or just to get control over my own emotions?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I started to explore this, like, gothic art and music, and it's deeply connected to kinky world or kinky visual aesthetics and i was like oh oh my god there is some people in the world who willingly let other people hurt them i need to know everything about it Mm -hmm. as a person who studied psychology for years that some people they actually use physical pain to get away from emotional Yes. Or sometimes they use physical pain like I do in my sessions. Because of the society that we live in and because of the stereotypes about men specifically, like you have to be strong, you have to be this, you have to be that, you cannot cry, you cannot give up, you have to be successful. Like maybe it's not as extreme as it was like 50 years ago, but it's still there. Absolutely. And I,
0: yeah.
1: I meet a lot of men in very high positions in life or work and they're super they're like super strong they're super like collected they always everything is under control and they can't let themselves go they can't Mm. cry even if they want to but they just can't let go because they are so used to be strong that they feel like if they let go they were just gonna collapse they're just gonna crumble and they, they believe that they won't be able to get back to their strong self. Mm-hmm. And those mechanisms, they stop them from being vulnerable, even when they need it. However, if they come to a demonatrix, for example, and I hurt them physically so intense that their body has no other choice than cry, they don't feel guilt. They're like, well, I'm crying not because I'm weak. I'm crying because it's painful. I'm crying because my body cannot handle it. It's still happened in that emotional crying. That is, and they let all those emotions go through that. But the activator of that was physical pain.
0: And you think that that, I mean, it's extremely fascinating. Um, I wonder if that releases for them, in your experience, obviously, because this is, does it release the, the emotional pressure that they have in general? Absolutely, yes.
1: That's their way to cope with them. That's their way to let go. That's the way to get away from, from everything that they have had inside. Because when you start crying, then you just then you just go and, and it's gone
0: on and on and on. Yeah, because you found like a way in basically
1: mm-hmm.
0: into your emotions. What made you go from the initial interest in, you know, thinking about pain and psychology that way or um, the goth world? What made you become a dominatrix specifically?
1: I was going to a lot of kinky parties. And I was exploring all of it. I didn't necessarily was a DOM. I was switching and I was trying everything because I was deeply curious and everything. I was like, okay, I need to, I want to see how this person works or how that person does that or how this person receives it and how I can receive certain dynamics. And then I met a gentleman who was uh, very successful and I was i think 22 or 23 years old and he was kind of like crime boss type of character (laughs) okay it's like the
0: movies (laughs) yeah
1: Uh, and i used to work at the club at that time and he came over he was like one of the regular customers he came over and he was drunk and rude and he like i was walking by and he just like grabbed me by the hand and he like started to say something and then he tried like to smack me or something like that I don't know and I just got so irritated by that violation of my personal space that my natural reaction was to slap him just because like what the fuck are you doing you know and like I knew like oh probably oh no I'm in trouble I don't know what to do now (laughs) holy shit I'm gonna get killed and then get fired (laughs) (laughs) And he looks at me and he was like, how the fuck are you so brave? Do you know who I am? I was like, I don't give a fuck who you are. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Just let me go. I want to go. <laughs> and I was like, would you, would you like to spend some time with me like in private? And I was like, no. And I was like, what if I will let you hit me again? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> you will let me hit him again? Yes yes let's do that and I was 22 he was in his 50s I was a student he was this rich dude and I was just doing whatever I wanted to him mm-hmm. and this when I realized that this is so fascinating to me like be more powerful than this powerful person mm-hmm. even and that he gave it away willingly that amount of trust that he put in that action of like, yeah, I will surrender to you. Mm-hmm. I don't really know you, but I trust you enough. And I think you're powerful enough so you actually can handle it. And I loved it. I loved the feeling of it. I loved the trust. I loved that we were exploring a lot of things together. Like I didn't know much about BDSM. He did he knew, like, way more, and he taught me a lot of things. And I became into many things that I didn't like before because of mm-hmm. him. So, so more to- like
0: the, the, dom- the dominant side within you as well, yeah. not just as the job, but also personally, you mean? Yeah,
1: and it started personal and then mm. one day um he wanted me to come over like during the day i was like i can't do that i need to work and he was like well call out and just tell him like you're not going i was like i can't i need money i need to work i need to pay my rent He was like i'll pay you just don't go i was like okay so i called to my boss and said like i'm sorry like i'm sick or like whatever and i came over and we played together and then he gave me like a thousand dollars okay <laughs> well, wow. okay, that, thank you. Thank you very much. Highly appreciate <laughs> <it>. <laughs> And then she started to do it frequently. And then we started to practice financial domination,
0: mm. which I had no
1: idea that was even a thing back then.
0: Yeah, I've heard about that before, but I'm dying to um, have you tell me what it entails exactly.
1: <laughs> As every uh, DomSub dynamic it all about power exchange and money is power mm. and powerful man, rich man, or men who think they rich or whatever.
0: <laughs> there is a difference, but. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it's all about the idea and feeling that they get from it. So they want to feel like they're not worthy of those mm-hmm. money. And they want to give it away just because they want to feel that they didn't deserve it. Or maybe they do really feel that they didn't deserve it because they're suffering from imposter syndrome. And they want over-exaggerate that feeling so their psyche would fight back at some point. And say like, well, yeah, I got rid of this money, I made this girl happy, that's fine, I will go and continue working on my comfort level, you know. Or sometimes they just deeply admire you and they just want to spoil you and they want to Mm. make you happy and they see you as this goddess and they want to worship you and give you money and gifts and just everything possible just to show how much they like you. And you can accept it and then you can say thank you or you can say like oh no this is not enough Mm-mm, give me more because i'm a very evil goddess today <laughs> and then so, they're like oh and they're trying even harder it's becoming a challenge or sometimes for rich powerful man it can remind them about days when they weren't rich and powerful and when trying to get the girl out was a challenge
0: it's interesting i wonder because you said about the imposter syndrome to Mm -hmm. somehow break it but how would that psychologically work if i feel like i'm not worthy of it and then i basically pay somebody to make me feel even less worthy of it (laughs) (laughs) how would that break that part of me or maybe make me rethink my life or um sometimes
1: uh, that's how it works in a psyche sometimes. Like you need to go very, very, very low. You kind of need to, I don't know, like touch the very, very bottom. You mm-hmm. hit the very bottom of your beliefs of yourself. And then your psyche mechanism, your surviving mechanism will start fighting back. It's like, hey, no, no, I'm not that bad. Like you kind of remind yourself and it, it's the process that might just automatically happen. Like you not necessarily have mm. to force something this way, but then you beat yourself down until the point when your body and your mind just cannot receive it anymore. And they automatically starts to fight with you and your beliefs against your own imposter syndrome. It's like, no, I'm not that bad. No, I'm actually fine. I'm actually, no, I deserve it. Holy shit. Like, what are you talking about? You know, it works for certain people. It's not necessarily gonna work every time. Yeah. But some people find that as tool that keeps them um, sane, that keeps them go back to their normal. Mm. Some people say, Oh my god, like I, I I I closed the deal and this like the biggest money I've ever seen. I don't know what to do with that. I just wanna get rid of it. And they call me and I was like, okay, we're going shopping. Because they they're scared to have this money because they never had it in like mm-hmm. before. For example, it's like their new job. So, a, a lot of them, it happens with the like younger boys in IT. They just they just don't know what to do with that, and they feel like, oh my god, it was so easy. I feel like I'm not deserving it. I don't know what to do with it. I'm scared. I was like, okay, we're we're going shopping. We're but then you not.
0: Their- but then they're not spending all their money. I'm assuming. Oh no, no. I've heard this before, but I'm not quite sure if this is true. Do you also, in specific um, FinDOM scenarios, have access to their bank accounts? Sometimes, yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There is a certain play when they can add you to their bank account or they can just give you their debit or credit cards. Um, I have few cards of my clients on file. So for example, I can use it every here and then for like to get Uber or to get a delivery or buy a plane ticket or something like that. Sometimes it can be an access where like, okay, I give you this card. Um, you have, I don't know, like 24 hours, just buy whatever you want.
0: Ah, okay. So it's like, it's the game has structure to it. Of course,
1: of course. That's, that's the most interesting part. Uh, and that's the most important part in BDSM as general. There's always rules and there are always boundaries mm-hmm. that are very specific. And I heard some people, they say like, no, BDSM is not a game. It's life." no, it is game. And there are rules that everyone has to follow. Because if you don't follow those rules, it's not fun anymore. And it might go to the point when it's not fun anymore. Because we sometimes we play dangerous games yes. sometimes we do bad dangerous things and it doesn't matter if you play this innocent game like yeah i'm just gonna take all your money but you don't know what that person might feel afterwards he might be very excited about it and it's like oh yeah i spent all that money and then three days later oh shit i can't pay my rent i'm gonna get <sighs> home i'm gonna get in
0: trouble you do fin dom work, but also other dom work, right?
1: Yeah. I usually, uh, fin dom is not my main thing. I usually add it to clients who I feel would be comfortable with that.
0: Ah, okay. Okay. That's interesting. So how, okay. I would love you if you could walk me through a new client, like, um, How would a session kind of look like um, or how would you figure out what they like in the beginning when you meet them?
1: Well, first of all, I have a website and on the website, there is very long, very exhausting form that they need to submit before they see me. So they need to describe what they're into, what Mm -hmm. is their experience who they were seeing before, so I could maybe contact that person and ask her what that person was into. <gasps> Interesting. Um, oh, yeah, that's a necessary step. First of all, um, it's for safety because yes. we want to make sure, because we play with men and we know what men can do. Mm. And it, it calls screening. We, we have blacklists for clients who are just doing some bad things. We oh have God, the communication yeah. system. References are necessary. At least two references from some I don't know, like past twelve months from any professionals. It might be escorts or massage, or strippers or DOMs. Just like anybody from sex work community. Uh, and then we text them and we're like, hey, tell me everything about that guy. Uh, and that's how we know. Plus when the form was submitted and I went through it and I see the person is fine and then I meet them, uh, I usually spend three to four hours together in the first date. We -hmm. go out somewhere so they can get comfortable, so they can get to know me because I used to work in a dungeon and I've experienced Mm -hmm. that a lot when client paid for just one hour, he comes over And only 45 minutes later, he finally starts to get comfortable being in the same room with me because they're Ah. deeply shy. They might be like, oh, well, I'm doing this like weird thing with completely new person. I don't know nothing about them. And it's hard for me to connect and figure out what they want, because there's not enough time. It's hard for them to open up just because, you know, there's like no no foreplay before that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: They might just say like one thing, but really they wanted something different that they're still too ashamed to say.
1: Exactly. And I usually meet them in a public place so we can go to a photo gallery or get a coffee or go to the restaurant, maybe get a glass of wine. Uh, and then they get comfortable and they open up and they tell me why they wanted to see me specifically. They ask questions and then they open up and it's like, well, those are things I've tried. Those are things maybe I would like to try. Those are things I've seen and think interesting, maybe someday in the future or those things I will never try. I think they're (laughs) gross. And then... After this, an hour, an hour and a half conversation, we can go to the dungeon. And then I just little by little explore all those things they mention to test how they react on pain, how they react on humiliation, how much they can take, what are their limits, what are their physical limits, how Mm -hmm. obedient they are. And first session is usually just introduction, me trying the dynamic and see if we're a good fit.
0: What makes a good fit in this kind of dynamic, you think, or for you?
1: If they're comfortable, if they feel safe, if I was able to create a safe space for them to play dangerous games in that space, um, if they can communicate back to me, because sometimes they don't want to say that something goes wrong
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they don't say anything. And that's a sign to me that it's, it probably didn't work. And to me as a dom, it feedback is very important because my pleasure from it is to see the immediate
0: results of my actions. You need to be able as like a sub or whatever, or as a dom, obviously, but to be able mm-hmm. to step in and out of the game. Yeah. Basically, it's what you're saying, right? Like to be mm-hmm. able to get out of, like step out of it, be like, this is... Maybe I need a boundary here and then go back into the game or yeah. something.
1: Yeah, of course. Oh, yes. that's, that's all the time. That's actually a very good uh, point because a lot of new domes, they ask me like, oh, how do you communicate with them? How you, how you keep the character for so long? I was like, I, I don't have a character.
0: Mm. It's, not, it's
1: not that. And you don't have to be scared to break the character. Sometimes you need to show human behind the character
0: if you're mm. able to.
1: And say, like, oh, do you want a glass of water? Is this too tight? When you show human, it helps them to bond deeper. Interesting. That you actually care about well-being and they're like, oh well, yeah, I can relax with this person and I can open up even more. And this, like those extreme level of trusts, extreme levels of trust, this is what I enjoy. And when I do something and I see the result immediately, I see the reaction
0: immediately. That is my pleasure. Do you um, feel some type of arousal during your sessions? Sometimes, every time, never? Mm,
1: when I used to work in a dungeon, it was not that often mm-hmm. because not enough time to connect, not enough time to explore. I was also less experienced then. Um, Now that I'm independent and I work mostly with same people, I feel arousal almost every time.
0: Mm, Interesting.
1: And it's amazing. And that's what they want. And that's what they also like. Because if you're just there, if you're just present, yeah, you might work a couple of times. But when you're deeply involved and when you're having fun, that's
0: going to be so beautiful and it's a completely different level. For everyone. Do you play this similar games in your private life with your partners um, outside of work? Um, are you also in a dominant role or do you play similar games than you do in your work? I'm I'm married. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. I'm married for six years,
1: and my husband, he is not kinky at all.
0: Oh wow, <laughs> okay. He's just super
1: gentle, vanilla guy. He's super nice and very, very soft in bed and very nice and very caring. Sometimes if I have a feeling that I want to play something like that, I might go to the party and Mm. play with a person, but it's not frequent just because most of my desires... In Kimchi Kim Kim world, they're not sexual; they're psychological, Got and it. I'm able to fulfill almost all of them mm. when I work.
0: Fascinating. So, meaning also in your work, there's no sexual exchange during your sessions, right? As a dancer
1: some DOMs do that sometimes sometimes they can do it with just the specific client because they feel like oh well yeah I can do that so it's not it's not like breaking a rule and, roll. and mm. if I probably wouldn't be married and would have a desire to have sex with one of my clients I would probably do that I know like right now, I can think of a two men who I probably would have sex with. And I actually had a conversation with them about it, but they don't want to have sex with me.
0: <laughs> no, really?
1: Yeah, just because they're like, I don't want you to be like, I, I don't want to, to ever get access to you. It's not. Oh,
0: that- it would break the, the game. Yeah. It- it would break the game exactly yeah with your partner though with your husband the the arrangement is that you don't have sex outside of your marriage but you can do your work yeah okay i do sex with women Uh uh-huh but does he also um get to play with other people or is it all on your end
1: Mm-mm, no he's i invite him to the parties with me sometimes i'm like let's play with them like you can play with me and my and my girlfriends he was like no nah, i'll just stay home oh that's <laughs>
0: hilarious how many men would like kill for this opportunity <laughs> i know. I keep
1: saying it's like dude you need to understand like you are in the amazing position right now like i'm begging you to go with me and have a threesome with another girl and like, he's just like No, if you like her,
0: go have fun. I'll just, I'll just stay home. Oh, that's hilarious. I mean, maybe it's good, you know, I mean, to have also, for you to have, you know, like a separation between the two worlds. Yeah, Yeah. Regarding power dynamics, maybe regarding you studying psychology, Mm -hmm. what, what is your take on why people enjoy to be dominant or submissive on a psychological level?
1: So many reasons <laughs> So maybe they saw a movie and now it's the fantasy that was just transformed over time to something, or maybe it was the trauma that they're trying to get rid of, or maybe it was something that they just Feel like would be fun and or maybe it's because they they're so normal in their regular life and they want to just do something crazy they want to feel free they want to feel alive they want to feel like yeah yeah I'm this, like i'm this person now or maybe they want to become someone else or maybe mm-hmm. they want to explore themselves or maybe they want to feel powerful or maybe they just want to play a certain role i know for a fact that for a lot of women uh, being a dominatrix became a path to healthier relationship with themselves
0: mm. with
1: their bodies with their sexuality with their mind and beauty
0: it's interesting i wonder what what the chicken and the egg there is right because in some way you are starting as the dominant a seemingly powerful component in the game and then the game emphasizes your um your role even more so that maybe in the beginning yeah. you might not even fully have believed yourself being that dominatrix but yeah. that the game itself kind of emphasizes it so you then do feel like it
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it's, that's what I'm saying. It's all different. It's so deeply personal for everyone and everyone have their own reason and they might not even be aware of it. Some people they yeah. deeply explore themselves and they're like, Oh, I want to know why I like it.
0: I feel like for women, I don't know how, what you think about that, but within our society, often women feel, I think quite powerless. Oh yeah. Of course. So that role even though still in relation to, obviously, a man, right? Could help maybe that, that feeling or give you more. Yeah,
1: totally, totally. I remember <laughs> I was doing online class um, during the pandemic for girls. I was just trying to tell them, like, you, you need to find a submissive and then you learn how to scream at him or yell at him and humiliate him and some women told me that they never screamed at men before or they never interrogate them or never (laughs) felt they have a right to do that and I was like well go train voice as a muscle (laughs) and then next time when somebody will violate you it's not gonna be this like shock when I was like I don't know what to do because I've never done it it's gonna be something that you've done before and you're gonna be more comfortable to stand for herself, and then they gave me feedback a few months later and they're like oh my god it helped I said something back to my boss when he was just screaming at me and I wasn't afraid because you you they trained that character they trained that mindset mm-hmm. I was like hey I'm actually powerful what the fuck are you talking about shut up <laughs> you cannot speak to me this way but as I'm saying, like, it's it's always different. Some women, they're already powerful, and they just don't feel that they want to project this power on their partner or on their kids, you know, because those mm-hmm. are they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable. They're but do you mean there's,
0: they're looking for an outlet for that? Um, yeah. For that aspect.
1: And then you find a play partner and they're like, well, this is a desire that I have. This is a lot of power that I still have and I want to release it, but I cannot do it to my kids or I cannot do that to my partner.
0: What are still some of the things that, I don't know, are dangerous or where you need to be careful within your job? Well, there's obviously
1: always can be a risk when you see a new person, even if you do screening. Because they may, I don't know, like cancel their payment if they paid you electronic. Mm. You know, or if you don't know them and you're going to to their apartment somewhere in, I don't know, Long Island, (laughs) (laughs) bring your friend just in case. Because I remember when I quit the dungeon and Mm. I started to see clients on the side, uh, I didn't have money to pay for the dungeon so I was going either to their apartments or they were renting a hotel room Mm. and my rates back then were very small and I couldn't hire a driver so I was asking my husband to go with me and wait for me and we had the special system that I would be like okay so my session is like 90 minutes if I will not call you after 100 minutes this is the room number call the cops
0: (laughs) Yeah. So do you have, because we're talking about like clients having boundaries and whatever, do you have limits, like things that you don't, you don't do?
1: Oh yeah. A lot of them. And every dom should have, and every sub should have boundaries. Boundaries are the most important part. And boundaries are usually the first thing that we discuss when we meet. It's like, Oh, those are things that I don't do. Those are things I'm not comfortable. For example, I don't like, any sort of medical play it's Mm -hmm. more role play whatever that is kind of like a doctor's office nurses completely I don't know it turns me off
0: okay interesting
1: (laughs) I don't like it um I don't have sex uh they cannot kiss me uh like they cannot touch my face um on the kinks I don't really have too many like strict boundaries and a kink specifically because mm-hmm. I've noticed that I personally sometimes might enjoy things with a very specific person yes. because there were like many times when I was like oh no I'm not doing that and then I would meet a submissive who would make that experience amazing
0: and I'm like oh my god to it And then I try it again with the other person. I was like, nah, it doesn't work. <laughs> oh, interesting. Two questions I have there. The first is about submissive and dominant partners. In some sense, right, the dominant partner, especially maybe in this scenario, because you're also getting paid for it, um, is also there to take care of the submissive. So there's quite a lot of power, I feel like, in being taken care of. Yes. That is so true.
1: It is about taking care. About it is about to make them feel safe, that they can let go on completely unbelievable levels. That they want to make sure that whatever is happening to them, it's never gonna go wrong.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I
1: think that a lot of doms missing is aftercare. Yes, when you when the session is over and you come to your submissive and you give them comfort and love and you tell them that you're proud of them, that they're amazing, and you thank them for the opportunity to do all those terrible things to them. Mm-hmm, yes. To, to give you this power and give you this feeling.
0: I know of BDSM aftercare, just, I mean, personal, personal experience and everything. It's interesting to me that that is maybe in a professional community not seen as that important. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would also make sense that if you do do that as a dom, you might be very successful.
1: <laughs> when I used to work in a dungeon, my clients, after their time was finished, they were just running away from me without even looking at me. You know, And then I just realized because of this dungeon culture, and it's like, oh, well, you have all this like minute by minute you know, and I was like, "Okay, your your ninety minutes or your thirty minutes are over. Get out of here." But that's also a problem uh, of the rate. The rates are very low, and women mm. don't want to waste their time. However, yes. my rates are very high, and I can give them extra time, and I can give them extra care.
0: What sometimes. are the rates like?
1: Um, in a dungeon, it's usually. Um, 200 250 dollars per hour the girl gets like 70 to 200 from okay. that the rest of it gets to goes to detention.
0: dungeon
1: mm-hmm. uh, in indie community it's from like 350 until 1500 or 2500 per hour okay. yeah the highest rate i've seen it was 2500 per hour do you charge different for different kinks? No, I don't. Okay. Some people do. Uh, okay. Some people might charge extra for like a golden shower, for example, or a public plane. Uh, oh, I yeah. don't. Have, <laughs> <laughs> I have a fixed rate. I also don't go by hour. Uh, I
0: usually do like
1: four hours minimum.
0: Mm, okay. So regarding kinks. Because I feel like most people won't be able to imagine this at all. What are like the, let's just say maybe the three most asked for kinky plays in your experience? Mm.
1: Food fetish.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. My God.
1: Yeah. It's usually, there is never like one, but food fetish, It it usually... The most requested mm. with other kings. So there might be something else and foot fetish. Yeah. Almost all of my clients are into that. My husband doesn't. That's upsetting. <laughs> into that. You get enough
0: foot love <laughs> from the other people, maybe. <laughs>
1: yeah. I say sometimes, I'm like, come on, my feet are amazing. <laughs> I was like, nah, they're just feet.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing with that.
1: Yeah, uh, strap-on play, very popular for men.
0: Yes, okay.
1: That's definitely all these bisexual fantasies that they can't fulfill because of the society and shame that they have around it.
0: In that sense, you don't see that as sex because it's just a strap-on?
1: It's not like they're having sex with with my body.
0: That's true.
1: I mean, I obviously see it as sexual experience. <laughs> it's just not with my body. Yes, or yeah. maybe I can finger them. That can be as sex with my body, part of it. You know? Yeah, totally. Okay, all right. There is no penetration in.
0: Me. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah, like
1: fluid exchange. However, I speed them sometimes. Ah. Oh my God, so wild. (laughs) What else? I would say verbal humiliation Mm. is pretty common.
0: What would be a couple things you'd say to somebody for verbal humiliation, to a sub, obviously?
1: That he's a worm or he's a dirt on my shoe. He's a dog shit. He doesn't have a name. He doesn't have a personality because I took it away from him and it's all mine. (laughs) <laughs> something like that nice i, I don't like <laughs> cursing uh well first of all english is my second language actually third after russian and sarcasm <laughs> so <laughs> because i read classic literature i can humiliate somebody without saying fuck <laughs> so i can just Absolutely. like degrade in very classy level Small penis humiliation. That's popular.
0: Ah.
1: And usually it's for men who have a quite big penises.
0: No, stop, right?
1: I and then I was like, oh my God, this dick is so small. <laughs> How strange. I know. Why do you think that is? I feel like a lot of kinks, they're actually deeply connected to all these social norms and kind of oh if you have a big dick or big dick energy you're so cool and masculine but no you have a very small dick i don't even think it's a dick it's 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 a is it a clit how do you play with that you probably never had sex uh you really put that in a woman oh no how dare you to disrespect her this way what what are you talking about you can't satisfy anybody you're such a loser should' be ashamed of yourself, and that's also something when I say all those things. they kind of feel it as, "Oh, small penis, you cannot do anything about it. Mm. so it is like absolutely powerless thing because if you're weak, you can get strong if you're loser, you can try and make money. but if you have a small dick, you're gonna have a small dick. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: This um, is still probably the most difficult one to grasp. <laughs> yes,
1: I mean, exactly. I get
0: it. I just don't get it. If you have a big dick, and then you know, then it's so funny. I'm like,
1: because they want to feel masculine. They they want to because it's a toxic masculinity trend that turns them off, and they don't want to be connected with them. Mm. And they usually hear all this. Oh, you have this like big dick energy. And they look at themselves like, yeah, I have a big dick, but I'm a very soft person.
0: What um what kind of tips could you give? Because you said you, you did a class for women to be more dominating or to be doms. Mm-hmm. What are a couple of tips maybe for the listeners um, that you could give a woman who wants to play a more dominant role in bed?
1: Forget about what he likes and think that He is there to please you. And that is all. And you don't owe him anything. You don't have to give it anything back and just let him know that I'm a goddess and you worship me. And maybe, maybe if you will do a good job, I will give you a reward. But you will need to try very hard for that. So, keep that mindset. Love it. And maybe <laughs> this, will, this will help.
0: Mm-hmm. It's kind of like,
1: I don't do nothing. And I will give you pleasure only if I decide. And even if you will do a good job, I may still
0: say no just because when I feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This is great. I mean, this is also <laughs> wonderful advice for, I think, just like being a confident human right yeah, and having self-respect and self-worth
1: yeah you don't owe them anything you just you do you you enjoy you're perfect you're amazing you're strong and beautiful and let them know <laughs> let them know
0: now everybody wants to be a dom after this podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This shall be continued, but for the listeners, how can they find your work? They can follow me on Instagram.
1: It's via Vesper, V-E-A Vesper, at one word. So it's on Twitter and um, TikTok.
0: I make funny TikToks sometimes. <laughs> In case somebody would want to do a session with you or apply anyways, they can go to your website.
1: Uh, yes, my website is dominavesper.com.
0: Amazing. I'll put that all in the show notes so people can <laughs> check it all out. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank
1: you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure talking to
0: you. Amen. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Pussy Church Podcast. And please check out our amazing guest, Vea or Vespa, in the show notes. If you liked today's show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It helps us keep the show going. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be amazing too. See you next Sunday.